BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everybody. Good morning and welcome to Just The Sip. I'm your host, Justin Sylvester. Everyone's like, what are we going to do for Pride Month? I'm like, we've been talking to queens and gays and, and trans women and allies this entire run of the show. This is why I love this show so much, because we can celebrate Pride Month every month. Every month to me is AAPI month. Every month to me is Black History Month. Every month to me is Trans Women's Awareness Month because we talk about these things every single week. When you ask me, are we going to celebrate Pride Month? I say no, we're going to celebrate Pride Year. Let's take this next damn sip. Joining me today is one of my favorite characters in the world. I am obsessed with this woman, everything that she does, everything that she has done. You have seen her on Handmaid's Tale as the one and only Moira. You've seen her on Orange is the New Black. She made us cry as Pusey. Please welcome Samira Wiley. Let's do this. How are you? I'm good. Good to see you. You know, I, I gotta be real. I'm kind of upset with you because you stole my baby name. George for a girl was always my name. And no Stop. one has ever named their baby George. And it was going to be mine. And you stole it. <laughs> that stole is it. crazy. I can't believe that. Number one, I'm sorry. <laughs> but also respect because yes. no one does do that. And I see yes. you. I see you. Right. <laughs> I have an aunt named Ron. I have an aunt named Ron. And my grandmother was like, ain't nobody trying to hook up with a girl named Ron. I'm like, ha, ha, <laughs> genius. No one's trying to hook up with a girl named George. My daughter's going to be a virgin until she's 22. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, that's not why I picked it, but you know. <laughs> why did you guys pick George? Oh, man. we Well, number one, I love George. I just think it's such a cute name for a girl. But also, a couple more reasons. My wife loved Nancy Drew, and like Nancy Drew's best friend's name was George. But I didn't know that because yes. I never read Nancy Drew before. But uh -huh. apparently, that's the thing. But then there's also... Look, I looked up all these things because I was like, people are going to be asking. Um, <laughs> there's a French writer whose name is George Sand, who's never really... Um, she was a lover of Chopin, and she never really conformed to the binary. Um, she dressed like him sometimes, but it had nothing to do with her sexuality. And she, we don't really like the binary in my house. We're super queer. So, hey, George. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, look, I'm out here trying to control shit, And you're like, oh, no, it's this beautiful meaning. And da, 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 da. <laughs> Let me ask you this, because, you know, I always say it's harder for Black kids to come out to their parents. Mm -hmm. And I figured out why. Church is a big community and a big part of the Black community. 
And a lot of times our parents and grandparents kind of have this shame around gay, queer, lesbian, non-binary kids because of what the church would say to them. And the other reason I feel like we have a hard time is because whenever we were growing up and kids came out and their parents were like, well, you know what? We're just going to have a gay son. Those parents were never black. You know what I mean? Those parents were always white. And we, the only time we ever saw gay parents being, you know, whatever, it was like, well, don't tell your dad, but this can be our little secret Mm -hmm. with the mom or the mom would say, I didn't know. Meanwhile, she knew because she was buying the Barbie dolls and making them hide it in the attic. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it's those two reasons. You grew up in a church with not one, but two motherfucking pastors. So how the hell did you come out the closet? (laughs) you know it's really interesting because like my parents are so progressive I think it was much harder for some of the people in the church to um accept this than my parents um my parents are like not that like they like them them being Baptist pastors like that title doesn't really go with who they are I feel like the, Uh the, the the stereotype of what that is sorry um my parents started doing union ceremonies in their church in DC before marriage was even legal in 2004 long before I ever even came out to them um wow so I mean but when that happened I mean a black church in DC you make that kind of stance as the pastors they lost over half of their membership Um, so my parents have, um, always been on the forefront of like trying to do like literally Remember, we used to wear them bracelets that said, um, WWJD on it. Yeah. That's okay. But that's like literally probably what Jesus would have done though. For real. Like he was like, no, y'all are good. Y'all are good. You know what I mean? (laughs) And like (laughs) my parents, I remember saying to them, my dad one time, cause I was like, I was like, you know, like, do you regret this? Like you lost like so many people, people who I, I mean, I was so hurt by it because like you grew these are up people with who I grew up with people yeah. who like, I mean, I was at church seven days a week. These are people who I thought were my family, my aunties and my uncles and stuff who, like I yeah. said, I hadn't come out yet. And these people done left because of inside who I haven't told nobody yet. That's also who I am. That's who oh my I am. So and y'all just straight up left. Out. Yeah. But luckily, I mean, like, I'm one of those kids who, in a very rare situation, especially, like you said, in a Black family, who grew up with accepting parents, you know? I mean, but even, even, and this is a real testament, even though I knew I had accepting parents, I still was afraid to come out because of society, because of all the people that I'd be around. Because here's the other thing, you talk about, you know, you you, you come out and you're you're either, um, you know, a secret between you and the mom or whatever. But there's also, you come out and it's like, you know what, I'm gonna pray that out of you. You know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pray. And and how damaging that is. I'm gonna sit here and pray every single day that you are not who you are. That is- Because that tells you something is wrong with you. Exactly. That- that is it. Something is wrong with you. Yes. So I'm going to pray for you to become right. Yep. Yep. I'm going to pray for it, you to not be you. Mm-hmm, straight up. Mm-hmm. You know what the scariest part was, too? Because I grew up in a church. My aunt was apostolic and she dragged me to church oh, with wow. her two nights a week. And I, it was, it was intense. It was some intense. Yeah. But, but in the black community, in the church community in the South, if somebody was a backslider, that means yeah. they left the church yeah. and they, they mm-hmm. went on to do some other shit that wasn't appropriate for the church. Mm-hmm. And people talked about them openly in sermons or, you know, in crowds. Mm-hmm. And when people would snicker about 
somebody who came who came out and left the church and who was now living with a boyfriend and who was gay. Right. I remember being a kid and being like, oh, my God, like they're going to talk about me like that one day. I need to pray mm -hmm. the gay away because mm -hmm. I don't want to yeah. become like that person. And it's scary. It's it's frightening. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. And it, I don't know. It's also relevant. But I wonder if your parents secretly knew the whole time. And maybe they were extra welcoming because they maybe had an inclining that maybe you were experiencing <laughs> those feelings. Like your mom was like, we're, we're loving everybody, including lesbians, Samira. We're loving <laughs> lesbians now. Look at that. Look at lesbians. Pat and Pat and, and um, Kara are coming over for dinner. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I that just is wonder. hilarious. Um, that's, that's actually something I've never wondered before. Um, <laughs> and that's a really, really funny thought. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you're not really threw me for a loop, honestly, bruh. <laughs> it's crazy. I knew my sister was a lesbian mm -hmm. before I knew I was gay. My sister was five mm -hmm. years older than me, knew she was a lesbian. I had no idea. And then I had no idea what I was. I knew I was something, but yeah. when you're five or six and you're trying to figure that out, you automatically yeah. think you're a girl stuck in a man's body mm -hmm. because all you know is that men like women and women like men. So that's where my mind went as a kid. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I always knew I was going to end up with Dante and not Dawn, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I, it's also so funny sometimes when like people, I, I feel like sometimes know, I felt like I came out to people and they were like, no, we know. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, and I'm like, but I just found out. I'm like, girl, who's waiting for you to find out? Yeah. Um, you know? Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, like, that definitely happened with some people in my life, for sure. Oh, my God. 100%. And by the way, you had every new pair of Jordans. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, knew, I knew exactly who you were. You played basketball better than anybody else on that court. <laughs> Like, let me tell you something for real though. Actually, honestly, and this is probably I I love like when I say love, I mean like I love the fact that I am a girl. I love wearing dresses. I love wearing heels. I know I don't fit in everyone's box, but like I did not know I was gay <laughs> for a while until when I was living my life with the ear like come on like I I I love everything about being a woman. And the Jordans and all that stuff came really later. But I see, I see you. I see you trying to read me though. I'm like, you know, no, I'm here. Look, I'm, I'm my throat's quenched. I'm ready to read. <laughs> it's always so interesting to me because I feel like women in mm -hmm. my life who are now lesbians and loving it and they have these mature relationships and women bond like for gay men that ain't the tea honey it's we're out here like we're in a jungle trying to get through without getting malaria and we gotta yeah. fight all these animals <laughs> and like no one respects your relationship and i know the l i know the lesbians and the gays sometimes don't see eye to eye but mm -hmm. i'm a little jealous of lesbians mm -hmm. because you guys really do invest in one another. And it's it's beautiful that, yeah, you guys might move quick, but y'all know when y'all know. <laughs> y'all move quick. <laughs> come on, y'all move quick. Why is that? What is that stereotype? Because I, I know it's like, I mean, obviously stereotypes come from truth, but like, why is that? 
Like I'm like, I've always wondered that. Like, <laughs> Because, you know, normally in straight relationships, women have to play the game with men. Like, you know, when right. they know, they know, but they have right. to wait for a man to figure it out and wait right. for him to be ready. You get yeah. two women together and they're like, oh, we already know. Grab the U-Haul. <laughs> Grab the U-Haul. It's so interesting. That is so interesting. I mean, like, that's obviously the stereotype. It's, yeah, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And, and, and you're right. I mean, like, I don't, I don't even honestly really know what else to say about it other than that. That's that. Well, well, let's, <laughs> well let's, put, let's put you to the test. How long into dating your partner did you move in together? See, now, now, now I'm going to mess it up for you because we, we dated long distance. She lived in California. I live in New York and we didn't even move to the same state for over three years. Oh, wow. You did three years long distance? Don't try to read me. You me up. You <laughs> it up. We're going to delete this portion of the podcast. I'm going to piss myself. I'm laughing so hard. But that, let me tell you, that's probably just because of work. I was on Orange is the New Black in New York. She was working on, uh, she was writing the show. That was in LA. We literally couldn't be together. So <laughs> <laughs> who knows what would happened if we were. If I could, I would. Have you hauled? You would have did it. You would have U-hauled. <laughs> Bitch, you would have had three U-hauls on the third date. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, 100%. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When you were brought to me on Orange is the New Black, I always said, I was like, girl, she is buying the writer's like fruit baskets and <laughs> she is like in the writer's room, like massaging them, giving oh foot God. massages because they are writing for Pusey, honey. They're giving Pusey all the love ever. Like Aww. when you took on that role, did you realize that that character was going to be one of the most beloved characters on Netflix? Oh, oh my gosh. Well, number one, thank you yes. um, for saying that. Yes. Uh, no, Pusse was, I, I I don't believe she was supposed to be, um, actually, I know because I married one of the writers. Um, I know she wasn't <laughs> supposed to be like a big character. Um, she was kind of supposed to be like more like a little sidekick um, yeah. for Tasty. And I, I think just like over the course of the series, she just kind of grew to to what she was. And I think that kind of happens on shows, you know, when writers start to really understand um, the actor who they're writing for. And the, when the actor really understands the writing, then there starts to be like kind of like a back and forth there, even without a conversation. You kind of have a conversation between mm -hmm. like doing the scenes and then writing it. And you kind of really you kind of develop it together. So I didn't know it was going to be like that at all. But I was very pleased. And I was not in there massaging people. Oh, no, you were <laughs> out there marrying people. OK, you were wiping people up. <laughs> You took it to the next level is what you did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's so crazy because, you know, I'm reading all this research about you and I had no idea that you and Danielle Brooks were, were oh, homegirls yeah. from before. So it made the chemistry so yeah. much better. And it was, I mean, when you died, I, I was like, oh, 
This, oh, she is really having a breakthrough, but she is watching her friend die on yeah. screen. So she, it, it's real. Yeah, it was. I mean, like, I, I also don't want a slight look. I'm sure Danielle could have brought that out if it was somebody else, too, because she's brilliant. I mean, she's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful actress. Wonderful. But yes, I do think and I love to to believe that our friendship elevated that uh, on screen friendship to what it was. It was very, very, very special to be able to do that, to be able to share four years with her creating that puce and tasty, like, you know, amazing yeah. relationship that we did. It was awesome. It was so dope. Mm. If I was in Yale Brooks, I would not, you know, test it. I would not chance it. Every scene I had where I needed to break down, your ass was going to be on the call sheet standing <laughs> off to the side. And I'll be like, put some blood on her ass. Let me go there for y'all real quick. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that so funny. Now you're giving me anxiety on Hulu right now. Yes, I'm sorry, sir. Let me first start off by saying Hammy's Tale wrapped my ass in from season one. Uh -huh. But this new season, I feel like I'm just like, just hand everybody the awards, okay? Oh. Make awards. Elizabeth Moss directing <laughs> at this point right now, you know, people getting stuck in milk vats on a train. She is. Like, I can't, I cannot <laughs> deal with what's going on. It is a lot. Look, I, I tell everybody I'm very happy. Like, I know people want to because people consume this show like crazy, but I'm very happy that you can't binge watch this show because I would be worried to see y'all out there. Yes. <laughs> I'm like we need to we need to let y'all get a little bit at a time because mm -hmm. <laughs> it'd be um, Dateline like Dateline has an explosion of like our snapped would have explosions of like cases because women would be stabbing men everywhere for the <laughs> they've done on on Jill in Gilead like I'm just like I can't I can't oh my gosh that is too funny um yeah it's it's a it's a lot i mean honestly i do kind of feel like though that i'm very happy that season four is playing out the way that it is because i feel like the fans have been very patient i mean june then almost escaped gilead like 17 times already um and finally <laughs> finally she you know something is happening this season i feel like your patience is being rewarded i know when i heard you know what was going to happen this season i thought it was a joke because you don't let like what happens in the middle of our season with june you know getting out of here that usually yeah. happens in the season season finale right on, on like 100 percent, you save that to like the end right so like when they were telling me what was happening in the shop and stop playing that's not really going to happen and it's <laughs> it's happening but um i'm very excited for everybody to watch the rest of this season because it's it's some shockers look i'm like why is this bitch going back like you have gotten out three times stay your ass out of that <laughs> like you know, it's like the girl, like when I was growing up, my mother would be like, okay, I don't understand why you keep on going to that kid's house. He always hits you. You always come back <laughs> crying, but you go back. Like what kind of <laughs> lifetime relationship is this? And you just keep on going back. But there's something about this moment that we're talking about, like this PTSD of going through something and we're all living through the pandemic and we're all coming out and we're all taking baby steps. And we're watching these women get off that plane and start to really get acclimated to real life and your yeah. it to normal life. And 
it's crazy because you have your character who's been doing it for, you know, a year now. Like she's wearing jeans, yeah, yeah. she's walking around, she got a boo, <laughs> she's on Tinder. And then you have other bitches coming in there still making bread, scared to like, you know, scared to eat something that wasn't grown at the house. So oh my God. I don't know. I don't know. I'm loving the season. You are killing me right now. Not not coming through still making bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still making bread. Like, so like, blessed be the fruit. And you're like, no, no, you don't have to say that anymore. You're in like, come on. Like, you're cool. You're good. You're not in the bunker anymore. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting. I'm glad that they, that, that they kind of have us out of Gilead in these different timelines. You know, actually, Moira has been out. I've been out since the end of season one. You know, that's when I got out. And so it's really been four years where Mara I got the been... out. <laughs> Mara was like, deuces, jumped in that Tesla. She was like, hey, sweetie, thanks for picking me up. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is so funny to me right now. <laughs> it's hilarious to be like talking about a show as serious as the handmaid's tale. <laughs> but that's the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. You know, black people, we're expressive. You know what I mean? Like, so when I talk about it to people at work, they're like, you know, it's so serious, a juxtaposition between da da da. And I'm like, I just want to be like, the f is June gonna do? And like, people get so crazy about it. But I just want to like sit here and just talk about it as if we're in a barber shop. So yeah. I don't about anything else. Yes, I feel you, man. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Look, I'm I'm very happy. Because look, I, on that note, I feel like if June was not going to get on that boat, I guarantee you Moira would have knocked her up inside her head with something, made her unconscious, and just 100. dragged her ass on the boat. Because how you, it's been too many times, girl. It's been Mar way too many times that you done almost got escaped and then you decided, no, I need to go do something else. No, you don't need to go do nothing else. Yes. No, no. <laughs> and my favorite was, look, Mara's like, you know, not to spoil anything, but Mara's like, I'm tired of raising your kid. Okay. Look, <laughs> I got a life. I'm, I'm trying to get this girl over here and I can't oh. share custody. We come home and take care of your kid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. I, I'm. Like, I done spent more time with your kid than you have. Exactly. You let you let made her leave Gilead when you ain't even really know her like that. Yeah. You even know yes. who she is. Come, come get to know this kid. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the Emmy nominations this year because I feel like there is no way that you guys as a hold and you as a actress cannot be nominated like with what's going on and you know the severity and the power behind this show what's it like being nominated for an emmy and what's it like winning i mean look it's the pinnacle right it's like that's there's nothing above that when you work in tv the top tv prize is an emmy so the very first year i got nominated for an emmy i just i, I mean i couldn't believe it it's like that's the first e in the egot thing right like yes, you want to get yes. all the awards the thing that you yes. got right yes. that's the e so, that's the like, e i mean <laughs> i got the e and i'm i'm like so i i mean i really couldn't believe it the, the night that i won i sat right next to cicely tyson you know whoa, 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 whoa. hold on hold on hold on so the universe put you next to Cicely Tyson the night you won an Emmy. Yes. Yes. It was, it, I mean, I'll never forget it, obviously, for a few reasons. Number one, <laughs> I won the Emmy. Number two, uh, yeah. Cicely Tyson, you know? 
it was fantastic. I mean, after I won and I was able to come back because she's <clears throat> she was still, you know, pretty um, elderly at the time. And I came and sat next to her. We talked for a while. You know, I have pictures of her kissing me with the Emmy. Like it's and then and then a little after that, when she won her honorary uh, Academy Award, um, she invited me over her house. Wow. And like then I, I have pictures of her with her Oscar. Like it's crazy. Like the, that like whole thing. Um, I know you asked me about my Emmy, but now I mean now we're talking about Sicily. But I mean, I mean ha- having that happen that night and then having that somehow, you know, because I believe Diana Rigg from uh, Game of Thrones, she was slated to win that night. And so having me win that night and then having me then forge a relationship with this black royalty. Yes. Um, as as a result of it, I I mean, like I I couldn't have written that better. That God wrote that. So, but mm. boo, now you now that you're in the Black Caucus, because <laughs> Jimmy Fox tells this great story about how he like kind of f-ed up. He was getting a little too lit in the club and going out and being paparazzi. And Oprah, Sidney Poitier, Quincy Jones sat his ass down at Tyler Perry's house and was like, really? "You're doing too much." Yes. Oh my God, you have got to listen to him tell this story. So now that you've been anointed, you can't get drunk no more in public, bitch. <laughs> no dinosaur for you. No, 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 no. Well, I have a I have a child now, so lots of things have changed. <laughs> Thank you so much for being Thank with you. me today. This was the best 20 minutes of my life. You are uh, my inspo. You are killing it. You guys, if you have not seen Orange is the New Black, which I don't know if anybody has not seen it, go and check this out. This woman gives an unbelievable performance. And if you have not caught up on Handmaid's Tale, shame on you. Bless it, not be your fruit. (laughs) And go ahead and do it on Hulu. Samira Wiley, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love you. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Oh, my God, what a sip. By the way, you guys, we only had 20 minutes with her, so this was a marathon conversation, and we're going to leave everything in it. We hope you loved it. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this. Let me know what you guys like in the comments. Tell me what you don't like. If there's somebody who you guys want us to interview, we are a podcast for the people, so just let us know. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Justin A. Sylvester. And I'll see you guys here next Wednesday.